This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. This is the BBC. Hello, I'm Helen Mark, and thanks for downloading this episode of Radio 4's Open Country podcast, a series that brings you fascinating stories from every corner of the UK countryside. We hope you enjoy it. Lundy's just somewhere if you've never, ever been. Then you get off, and as my daughter said, there's nothing there, Grandma, but it's beautiful. There's a sense of peace. You just could walk forever on it. Your spirits lift when you get off the boat. I'm in Ilfracombe Harbour and in the shadow of the Damien Hurst statue, which is called Verity, I believe. It's a very imposing figure, actually. It's a woman that's standing with a sword in her hand, her left hand, pointing it skyward. But also, I'm surrounded by a multitude of people who have come to run around Lundy Island. I believe there's about 250 people who have registered for this run. But there is a real excitement here because it hasn't been done before. My name is David Lindo. I'm also known as the Urban Birder. On this week's Open Country, I'm trying to find out why 250 runners are heading towards Lundy to run the island's first ever marathon. I feel like I'm in the Mediterranean. Totally flat, calm seas, beautiful turquoise blue, and I'm on this really interesting old ferry called MS Oldenburg, which was actually built and launched in 1958, named after the Duchy of Oldenburg in Germany, and affectionately called Oldie. I've been doing some scouting around on a boat, asking various people who is the hot favourite for the race, and all fingers seem to point to a gentleman I'm standing next to now. There he goes, Phil. Hi. Paul do you think that uh, all the uh, tips I've been getting are warranted? Uh, absolutely not. There is one particular runner here called uh, Ronnie Richmond, who is a 220-odd minute marathon runner. So the tips are a little bit overboard, if I may say so. So tell us briefly about your running history then. I'm 49 now. I started at about the age of 42 when I gave up local football just to keep active. I just like the feeling of being able to get away. You're free. And are, you, are you from the North Devon area? Or? I am from small North Devon, yeah. In terms of Lundy itself, what's your vision of Lundy? Just a small island, about three miles long and somehow they're going to fit a 14-mile run on there. Trail running, how does that differ to other types of running? Um, trail running, you, you're always having to think about what you're doing, where you're stepping, climbing, keep an eye on where your foot will go in and everything like that. So that means you could be prone to injuries? Um... Believe it or not, no, I think the stats are quite low. I think you're more likely to get injuries road running because it's the same muscles being used all the time. With it being coasted back, you have got to look where you're stepping. If you start looking around before you know it, you could be uh, taking a tumble. So out on sea now we have some uh, dolphins uh, putting on a show for us. Boat must be tipping over on one side because everyone's over and on the left side of the boat, the port side. Tramping clean out of the water, look like common dolphins. They are actually riding the wake of the ship. Whilst we were busy watching dolphins performing, Lundy has crept up on us. And I can see the lighthouse on the northern end of the island, and it is basically an outcrop of rock with bits of green on it. 
So I've just stepped off the boat. I'm on the jetty on Lundy. Fantastic rock, rock structures, beautiful blue skies, calm seas. And I'm here to meet Derek Green, who is the Lundy general manager. Should we go and have a look? Fantastic. But the church will love this as well, because we wanted, literally just opened this last week. And the whole idea was it become more of a community building, as it were. And so, you know, using it today for the changing rooms for the Lundy Half Marathon is a fantastic community to use. So, yeah, they'll be delighted to see it getting used for something quite diverse. Lundy has had a really fascinating history of owners. People have come here to create their own world order. But today it's run by the Landmark Trust and Derek here, Derek Green, is the man in charge. What's the brief history? Well, Lundy's history is long and colourful and uh, it has had a few dubious owners. It's been a layer of pirates. We've had the Harmon family who've changed Lundy through the 20th century and made it into the kind of nature reserve that we know today. And of course the Landmark Trust took on the management of Lundy in 1969 after it was bought by the National Trust. So before sort of the recent history, who was here right in the very beginning? There's a Bronze Age settlement at the, the North End and we know that they farmed Lundy back in those days and before the polar caps melted and, and created the Bristol Channel as we know it which is only 50 metres deep. Lundy was once a giant rock stuck in the middle of a vast plain so you would have been able to walk to Lundy a little bit like Ayers Rock if you like in Australia which you know a vast desert plain with this great big lump of granite stuck out in the middle of nowhere. Well, speaking of history, we're standing outside this really quite impressive church here and I just wondered how much of history has actually shaped what we see now. Well, there was a family here in the 19th century called the Heaven family. They uh, bought Lundy after uh, the abolition of slavery. And when slavery was abolished, they were compensated quite heavily by the British government because they lost the business. And with the compensation, they bought Lundy uh, and they started to transform it. They gave a lease of uh, the East Coast to a granite company who started quarrying and that was shipped up to London to start building the embankment. But the, the company soon went into default because they, they, it was too expensive in the end. But of course, when the granite company were here digging the granite out of the side of the island, there were 200 men working on the island so there was a ready-made congregation yeah. uh, for the Reverend Heaven and yeah. so the first thing they built was a pub to keep the men amused on the Saturday and then the church followed so they yeah. could do a bit of you know repenting on the Sunday as it were. We have a different congregation coming out of the church now we've got a lot of multicoloured uh, trail runners coming I mean there's like 200 plus 250 people here yeah. on the very first ever marathon on Lundy what impact do you think that will have? The route that they're going to use today uh, is, is quite a safe route. It takes us away from any of our uh, sort of rare plant species uh, and it doesn't go anywhere near the bird colonies uh, or any of the, the other sort of delicate areas of the island. So we've carefully thought through this. One day a year for you know, 250 people, you know, the island could probably sustain that. But I, I don't think that we would ever want to change the peace and tranquility that we have on the island. I mean, the runners have just kind of gone off to the start line now and peace has descended upon the church. It doesn't matter what we throw at it, it tends to recover pretty quickly. This is my first time on Lundy, Derek, and I must say, I mean, look, the sun is shining. I could be on the, in the Caribbean now, it's just fantastic. But what brought you here? I mean, obviously it's not like this every day, is it? 
Well, I'd like to say that the sun always shines on Lundy, but uh, during the winter, the weather does get pretty, you know, testing. And of course, you'll know that we are part of the, the shipping forecast, and Lundy is a big area. And we get some, you know, we get some really challenging weather here with uh, the Atlantic on one side and the Bristol Channel on so the other. So I guess other. next next stop is America then, yeah? Well, it is to the west, yeah. yeah. Uh, it can be challenging at times, you know. We have, we have pressures on, you know, our water supply, our power. Um, are we going to get a ship? Are we going to get supplies? But um, just very, very privileged to be the custodian of uh, such a special place. And of course, as a diver, there must be lots of uh, wrecks around around the island. Well, for me as a diver, this is diving mecca, really. Not only is Lundy a marine protected area because of all the special features and habitats and creatures that we have down there, but there's 185 chartered shipwrecks. Of course, we've got three lighthouses, which gives you an idea of of how much of a hazard Lundy was to shipping, particularly when uh, Bristol was being built and uh, as an up-and-coming city. There was an awful lot of shipping going in and out of Bristol and uh, a lot of uh, ships were lost around Lundy. So there's evidence uh, going back to the sort of 13th century uh, up to the last shipwreck uh, in 1980. Yeah, you know, I was reading up about the, uh, the past with the pirates that used to hang out here from all parts of the world, basically, waiting for ships to go past on the way to Bristol. Absolutely. So you had a family called the Moriscos who took Lundy by force uh, and basically raided everybody that went past. In later days, you had Thomas Benson, who took the lease of Lundy, and he was the local MP for Barnstable. Uh, But he also had a shipping company, and uh, he took a contract from the government to ship convicts overseas, (laughs) as it were. And I think the government thought he would be taking them to America, but uh, he brought them here to Lundy instead and used them as slave labour on the island. And is it true that the Ottoman Empire even touched the island? There is a rumour that the Ottoman Empire touched the island, and uh, we made the headlines a few years ago when uh, there was a threat that uh, the ISIS we're going to take Lundy back as uh, as part of their sort of empire, as it were. So we tend to make the news for all sorts of strange reasons. <laughs> We're just coming up to our post box here, and if you notice, it's not your traditional Royal Mail red; it's Lundy blue. So Martin Coase Harman was uh, the chap who bought Lundy in 1925. He was a London businessman. He wanted to make this his island kingdom, as it were. He decided that uh, the post office and other authority on the island weren't welcome because it was his island. So he started producing his own stamps. Of course, the currency he used wasn't sterling or the pound, it was puffins. So our stamps are now valued in puffins. Okay. Okay. Everyone's lined up and the air horn has gone and the first hundred people have actually ran, the rest of them are walking and there's a cloud of dust as they pass by. It's a real juxtaposition. You've got these really old granite buildings that have been here for, for, for centuries and then you have this multicoloured river of people. Okay, the runners have just left. There's a massive cloud of dust just settling now and the only person left amongst one or two other people is... It's the man that's actually behind all of this. This is uh, Mark Brooks from Pure Trail. Where did this all come from in terms of the idea? I'm an ornithologist myself, so I'd heard about Lundy Island. I knew it was synonymous with puffins. So I came over, for, I got OS maps, and I created a route of, well, just over half marathon distance, because that's the distance that most people want to do. So it's been really straightforward, and we sold out in the first day. 
So is it, sorry, we've got some sold applause now. The first runner. Is your front runner? So the first circuit, um, or the first part of the race, has meant that they've run around a loop and they've a come back to one us. And a half miles, yeah. Yeah, so they've come back to us. So this is early days. What do you think people get out of this when they're running on this particular trail? People knew of Lundy, but they'd never been there. Mm. I think just curiosity and interest in the island itself. So what would you get out of running around here? With trail running, you have to place every foot. You know, so you can go down a pothole, trip over a rock. So it's just focus one foot after the other, and it's, it's a real meditation. You're also a birder, Mark. So do you yeah. actually um, notice nature when you're running as well? I do. Sometimes I stop and just have to look around me. Wherever I'm in the race, whatever yeah. position, I'll just stop, look around me, take photographs, and uh, just appreciate where I am. Do you think it's possible to have a race like this on an island like this, which is obviously a wildlife mm. haven, and not have an impact? Hopefully our impact will be extremely minimal. The ground is very dry, which is good for the erosion of the paths. The idea is to leave it how we, we found it. Come on, Sally. What advice would you give wannabe trail runners? We were born to run, and I think a lot of us have kind of forgotten how to get that out there into nature and run like we did thousands of years ago. I think it's slowly coming back. Put your trainers on. Get out there, get out there in nature. It's lovely out there. Okay, I think we should uh, leave our intrepid runners to run and find some other inhabitants of this lovely island. The one around the corner is Star, and she's got a foal with her, which is eight months old. She's called Northern Star, and it's a filly that we're going to keep for breeding. Apart from wildlife, Lundy has some year-round residents. 28 people live on the island. One of them is helping provide the others with food, and that guy is Kevin Walsh, who actually farms the island. So tell me about the farming here on, on, on Lundy. I've been here 16 years now, uh, this October, 16 years. We farm domestic sheep. That provides meat for the tavern, the shop, and our mail-order lamb that we do. And then we've also got pigs, which were an accident, really, on the island. We um, wanted a way of getting rid of our green waste, so uh, I bought two pigs and those two pigs have now developed into 42 pigs. So uh, I've got a load ready, load of uh, wieners ready to go in September. They'll be ready to go in September. Can never get enough sausages. Can never get enough pork pies. And I can never get enough other meat. So it's uh, all good, really. We're standing actually in some of the fields here and um, surrounded by lovely stone walls. So you've got um, you know, sheep, you've got your ponies, you've got pigs anything else you actually look after uh nine highland cattle they were brought across for specific grazing everything on the island is here for a reason the sheep eat certain things the ponies eat certain things the goats eat things that they shouldn't as goats always do cattle eat the rest tell us about the deer what kind of deer you have here seeker so obviously introduced. Why were they introduced? And uh, it, was, it was something that the Harmons did in, I think, about 29. And the Harmons but were the owners of the They were the owners of the island at the time. But they introduced fallow deer and red deer at the same time. But the Seeker are the only ones that survived. All we do is manage the numbers. The same with the Soe that are up the island. That's the Iron Age sheep. The hardest part about farming on the island is uh, the different factions that are involved in it because you've got the Landmark Trust, 
the National Trust, the Lundy Company, and everybody's got a say. Today is the first day that we've had this marathon here in Lundy. It's the first time. What do you think about it? I just hope next year we have two boats of people come. Another 200 people on the island today does drain the water supplies a little bit, but pays the wages. The island takes some looking after. It really does take a lot of looking after, and you've got to put the hours in to look after it. I'm looking over towards the ponies now, and I can see Dean. This is uh, Dean Woodfin Jones, and you are the, uh, the the warden here for Lundy. I've got this foal <laughs> sniffing me at the moment, <laughs> and uh, she obviously knows that I'm not uh, a horsey person. What have you got here on, on Lundy that's of, uh, of interest to people interested in wildlife? Yeah, um, well... The majority of Lundy is, is designated as a triple SI, so it is a special site of scientific interest. Uh, and that designation has been put there primarily to protect the nesting seabirds that we have here. And then we, yeah, we have quite some quite really special and important uh, vascular plants as well, including an endemic plant species here, uh, the Lundy cabbage, which is found nowhere else in the world. I've heard about Lundy cabbage, and I've heard from a good friend of mine that it tastes like Brussels sprouts, but double the strength and supposedly when you cook it as well the smell in your kitchen yeah lingers for a good week or so as well so yeah i've been told to avoid it <laughs> so good seabird colonies on the way over i've noticed um, quite a few manx shearwaters and a few orcs but tell me more about how they're faring yeah and well also I'll tell this horse not to stop biting <laughs> come me come on polly um so yeah lundy well it still is it's a recovering island so we had quite a number of black rats and brown rats um, which was a problem for a lot of our seabirds and terrestrial birds and a lot of the other wildlife as well uh, but it came to the point where, yeah, we only had five puffins left on Puffin Island in 2005, and, yeah, primarily down to the rats. So there was a huge project to try and eradicate all the rats from Lundy, which was successful in 2006, and, yeah, had an immediate positive effect for our seabirds, including the puffins. Yeah, it was the first year we'd seen a, a puffin chicken over 30 years on Lundy, and from there the population is growing. We had 375 birds last year, so, yeah, it's grown really nice, slow but steady. I'll tell you what, Dean, I'm really, 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 really up for having a look at some of these birds, so let's take a look. No problem at all. So, Dean, you know, you're a young man. You're on an island quite far away from the mainland. I can just barely see Cornwall and Devon over there. What's it like being on an island as a young man? Oh, Grant, um, I actually have my wonderful other half living with me here. Um, we so both it's a bit of a love island then? Yeah? It is a bit, yeah. There's quite a few couples on here. So you've been here for about a year. What's your favourite sort of moments? The nights I spend right up in the north end of the island, yeah, sleeping under the stars and watching the storm petrels kind of flittering in amongst the burrows, watching dolphins, you know, in a Force 9 gale off the southwest point or um, watching the Perseus meteor shower last year with all the Manx shearwaters, you know, flying around your head. I have to interrupt you now because it looks like we have a winner and it's someone I don't recognise actually. So we've got someone coming in second who looks a bit like Chris Bonington, young Chris Bonington. This is Dan who came second. How did it go? Uh, yeah, very good, thank you. Yeah, I knew it was going to be uh, a hard course today, but I'm always smiling. And this, was this your first time in Lundy? I've actually never been to Lundy before, but I've lived in North Devon for 10 years. Personally, I love breaking new ground. I think it's just fantastic. run discover as you go yeah. along. Yeah, absolutely. I was just describing you as a kind of a young-looking Chris Bonington from a distance. I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm with Rachel Sylvia, who lives on Lundy, and who actually participated in this half marathon. And tell me, what was it like for you, living here and having so many people suddenly invade to run on your island? 
at the start, it was manic to see so many people queuing around. But once we started the run and everyone spaced out, to be honest, I was on my own at times running around, still like normal, really. Just nature, the animals, surrounded by sea wherever you go. It's so picturesque. And the race today, do you think it's helped to kind of not only promote Lundy, but to, to add something to it? Oh, definitely. I think it's going to be so popular, this run. And I think there'll be a lot of trail runners that want to come and do it now. So it will definitely bring people in. So we're walking along this uh, field, meadow, and uh, we've got the coast in front of us. We're looking west, I believe. Is that right? It is indeed, yeah. It's a wonderful view because we're coming towards the cliffs now and the seas really calm. Where are we heading now? Uh, we're heading to Jenny's Cove, as where the majority of a lot of the cliff nesting seabirds uh, take up residence during this time of year. So called because there was an old shipwreck there, the Jenny, that came aground years and years ago um, as she was shipping um, ivory and gold dust, I think, to the New World. When you walk around the island, you see the topography is quite different depending where you're at. As we get our prevailing winds from the west southwest, the west coast really is quite rugged. We do get battered from the Atlantic winds as the east coast is lovely sloping cliffs, short yeah. drops into the sea, lots of lush vegetation that side. You were saying earlier about the uh, the butterfly situation has been pretty good here this year. I definitely have seen a marked increase in meadow browns, uh, ringlets and large whites this year compared to last year. But a lot of the migratory species, things like the painted ladies, red admirals, are much, much lower this year. Potentially, yeah, from the horrible early spring and winter weather that we had with the, the beasts from the yeasts. We had some of the heaviest snowfall the island has ever seen. Um, so, yeah, it was just spectacular to see this while well, this beautiful coastal view you're seeing now, yeah, cloaked in snow and ice. Um, but I love this. My favourite point time being on these islands is, you know, in, in a good winter storm. You realise that Mother Nature's in charge here, um, not us on this little isle. There's some stacks of rock penetrating up up from the side of the, uh, the slope we're walking along now and there's a great gorge and I can even from this point here the seabird colony which we're now looking down upon. So yeah on the far slope there is mostly guillemots but in some of the kind of boulder scree there as well we've got quite a few razorbills hidden in amongst that and then you've got that beautiful kind of concave grassy slope leading up from the cliff face there. And that's where the majority of our puffins are found. They're nearly finished now, so we've already seen some quite big pufflings. So in the next maybe week, two weeks, um, we're going to start saying goodbye to the majority of our puffins. I'm always so excited for, for the first birds of the spring. And then, uh, yeah, the time just flies then after that. And how many storm petrels do you think you have? We're not entirely sure yet, so this is the first time that we've actually properly been able to find stormies during our surveys. Storm petrels are quite amazing though, because when you think that that bird, which is barely bigger than a sparrow, is in fact a relative of the albatross, it's just incredible to think that, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of why they're my favourite bird. One of these wonderful birds that invokes all the senses. So it's like, visually they're just stunning. They have a wonderful smell to them and their noise. It's just, yeah, and the way they t feel, it's just, yeah, absolutely brilliant little birds. Well, let me explain to the listeners. Firstly, the, the storm petrel <laughs> is a small black and white bird, sort of black mostly with a white rump. But what does it smell like? I've never smelled a storm petrel. It's kind of it's like a musty, fishy smell. But, um, Sounds you know, lovely. Yeah, I know a lot of people may be quite deterred at it, but, um, yeah, when you've spent time with these birds like I have, yeah, you really kind of look forward to smelling that smell again every season when, yeah, they come back. Yeah, I never tire of watching these birds every season, no matter what island I'm on. It's just an absolute wonder to watch.
I'm now back on the MS Oldenburg, also known as the uh, as the oldie by the, the regulars. With all 250 runners that at the beginning of this day were so eager and jumping around and now they're nursing aching muscles and talking about coming next year. I'm looking over my shoulder to where the sun is about to set, seeing the island of Lundy in all its magnificence. And to be honest, before this trip, I had reservations about how running a race on this island would actually be good for the place. It seems like the first trail races here on this first ever half marathon on the island have found that balance. But it also feels good that all 250 of us, including me, are now safely on that boat home and leaving the islanders to their haven.